G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. An everyday hero is somebody who just wakes up one day and all of a sudden they get it. They realize that life is not all about them, that it's all about God and his purposes in the world. He equips us. We're all different with different measures of giftings to play our role of expanding God's kingdom in the earth. Okay. So you say, well, Jeff, what are some of those gifts? What are the gifts? Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hi and welcome. My name is Bill and this is Today with Jeff Vines. In this episode, we continue in the series Everyday Heroes. Last time, Pastor Jeff looked at defining happiness. And in this message, he wants us to know we have been created by the designer of the universe. And he's motivating us to discover our spiritual gifts. So we live a life with purpose. Let's begin today's message with Pastor Jeff, helping discover our spiritual gifts. superhero to be able to fly and to be able to leap buildings in single bound. Woo! Man, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. But the reality is in this series, we've been talking about that God is not looking for superheroes. He's not. He's looking for everyday heroes. And an everyday hero is somebody who just wakes up one day and all of a sudden they get it. They realize that life is not all about them, that it's all about God and his purposes in the world. And that your joy is directly tied to understanding you've been created by the grand designer of the universe to fill a role that only you can fill. Now you say, Jeff, what do we do now? Well, to fill that role and to find that joy that's connected with it, you've got to engage in two endeavors. The first endeavor is this. You've got to commit to finding and discovering your spiritual gifts. If you're ever going to be an everyday hero, that's your first step. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to demystify this whole thing about the spirit and the gifts he brings. And I'm going to do it by illustrating just a little message here that most of us, we remember growing up with Plato, right? Remember Plato? Plato is a great analogy because I can divide Plato into three parts. And when I divide it into three parts, it's still completely in essence and substance Plato. Even though I've separated it in three parts, I can put it all back together, still the same substance, still the same essence. The Bible says that God, now you and I can't do this because we can't be divided. We are an entity. We will die if we lose our wholeness. God is able because he's infinite and because uh, he is omnipresent to be everywhere at the same time. Now that's hard for us to fathom. That's why we're not God. But God does a wonderful thing. He devises himself into God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Same substance, same essence. God is fully present in all three parts. 
But it's this part of the Holy Spirit that is crucial to our discussion now. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that comes on the inside you when you submit your life to Jesus Christ. And he does so for two reasons. He comes in, number one, to guide and direct your path, to give you a new affection so that you can expel the impurities within through the power of the Spirit and you can live the good and holy and righteous life. You'll never be perfect, but you can take great strides in living the way God wants you to live because of the power of the Holy Spirit. He not only changes what you do, he changes when he comes on the inside what you want to do. That's the new affection. But there's another side. The Holy Spirit also comes on the inside and brings with him a gift or gifts to give to you. They're called spiritual gifts. Now let me define a spiritual gift for you. A spiritual gift is an unmerited, unearned, intrinsic talent or ability given by God for the purpose of building his church. Notice it's something you can't earn. It's intrinsic. It's part of your nature. It becomes part of your nature. It's an ability. And it's given to you by God for the primary purpose of expanding God's kingdom in your life, in the church, and in the world. Now, this comes in two forms, all right? The first form is this. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, when he comes on the inside, simply brings a supernatural injection to talents and abilities you were already given when you were in your mother's womb. Jeremiah 1.5 says, while you're in your mother's womb, what happens? You were shaped and formed. You were given talents and abilities then and there. So that if you take somebody uh, like uh, James, who plays the guitar, like Amy, who leads worship, like Ashley, who led worship tonight, if you take somebody like her, when she was in her mother's womb, God gave her talents and abilities that she would be musically inclined. She has the choice, though, when she gets older, to use that gift for her own selfish agenda or for God's purposes coming to fruition in her life. So the Holy Spirit just takes talents and abilities God's already given and supernaturally injects them with the power and presence of the Spirit to be used by God to expand His kingdom on the earth. There's a second thing, though. I don't believe that it's the rule, it is the exception, but I have seen it, where a person becomes a believer and God gives you a brand new gift that's the antithesis of who you were before. Now you're a new person. A good example of that is a friend I have back in my hometown. His name is Mike Johnson. In junior high and high school, this guy could not string four or five words together in a sentence without stuttering or stammering. I went back to Elizabethan, Tennessee not too long ago. Well, it's been a couple of years. And my high school basketball coach called me and said, hey, Jeff, I want you to come and hear Mike Johnson. He's speaking tonight at church. He's a pastor now. And I went to hear him. He was amazing. And what was interesting is after the message, I went up to meet him. And when he spoke to me down on the floor, he couldn't put four or five words together without studying or stammering. But when he was on the stage operating in a spiritual gift, he was amazing. That does happen. Sometimes God just gives you a brand new gift. Think about it. Peter, James, and John were fishermen. They became speakers, teachers, preachers, and writers, something that fishermen in those days did not do. So it's either a supernatural injection or an entirely new gift. Now, why does God give these gifts? That's the question. Well, look at this chessboard. I think this is the greatest analogy in our human experience of the way God sees you, your life, and the world. The objective in the game of chess is to take out the king, right? Checkmate. Well, the objective or God's objective in the world is to expand his kingdom on the earth. But like the chessboard, God needs pieces on the board that play unique and different roles. They all can't be the same or this would be a checkerboard. But there are unique giftings so that the right piece will be in the right place at the right time to achieve the ultimate objective. 
That's your life and mine. He equips us. We're all different with different measures of giftings to play our role to accomplish the primary objective of expanding God's kingdom in the earth. Okay. So you say, well, Jeff, what are some of those gifts? What are the gifts? That's what I want to talk about. Romans chapter 12, verse six. Now I'm going to go very fast. I've got to cover a lot of material in a short amount of time, but you're used to me by now, right? All right, here we go. Romans chapter 12, verse six. Here's the first gift. He says, if a person's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Prophecy is the Hebrew word nabah, the Greek word propheteo, and it simply means to speak forth or to proclaim. Now listen carefully. You think, oh boy, go on to the next ones because I know I don't have the gift of prophecy. Wait a minute. Prophecy in the New Testament was not foretelling future events. Prophecy in the New Testament as it evolved from the Old Testament was simply this, to proclaim three things, to proclaim the truth of Jesus, to expound the truth of Jesus, to explain it, and to exhort the congregation to follow the teachings of Jesus. That's what a New Testament prophet did. So if you like to stand up in front of people and tell people what to do, you might have the gift of prophecy. A lot of us men are married to prophets. <laughs> Little joke, no emails, please. I'm just kidding. First Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter 14, verse three, but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification. That is, he stands in front and he builds up, he equips you, and exhortation, that is, he gives you a challenge to go on, to accomplish something greater than yourself. So edification, exhortation, and then consolation. He's the guy or the girl who stands up in front of you and gives you great encouragement, talks to you about love and grace, and consoles you in the midst of a difficult week. That's what the prophet in the New Testament did. You say, well, Jeff, that sounds like Jeff Bynes or Dane Johnson. It does, but pay attention to how that verse is written. It's the foundation upon which we're going to build everything else. He says that there are different measures of the same gift. He says, if a person's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. What does he mean? That's not a reference to how much somebody believes. It's a reference instead to how much of that particular gift he or she's been entrusted with. What? Now follow me. Let me kind of uh, give this as an example. I love to stand on this stage every weekend and use my gift, which is to challenge, to exhort, to encourage, to console. That's my gift. But the reality is you put me in front of a bunch of junior hires, my knees start shaking. I can't get four or five words together because they intimidate me. I'm scared to death of junior hires. Did you know that? I don't even believe in purgatory, but if there was one, I'd have to go with a bunch of junior hires for all of eternity. <laughs> I'm just not gifted. I walked over though last week while Dane was preaching that gave me a chance to see what else happens on this campus. And I went over to hear Jeff Latham preach to the junior hires. I stood back and I thought, this guy is good. Why don't I, why can't I do that? I tried to bring my nephews. I have twin nephews up in their, uh, just spirituality, trying to encourage them. So I thought I was going to play the role of the prophet to them. And I started teaching them. They didn't pay attention. They interrupted me. They asked what I believed to be dumb questions. I wanted to move out of the role of prophet into the, uh, the ministry of woodshed ministry of disciplinarian and take them behind a house somewhere and smack them around a little bit. Of course, I didn't really want to do that. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't hit them. But the reality is that I have a gift that is limited. God gifted me to do this, but he's given me the measure of this gift. And here's the reality. Some of you may not be willing or able to stand in front of 5,000 or even 500 or even 50, but you can stand in front of 15 people 
and use the gift of prophecy. You can exhort, you can encourage, you can challenge. See, it might not be true, again, that you like talking to adults, but you may be particularly gifted to speak to college age, high school age, junior hires, elementary. You still have the same gift, you just have a different measure of that gift. Okay, I think we're starting to get it. Let's move on. Verse 7 says, if a person's gift is serving, let him serve. This is the Greek word diakonos. It means to serve, uh, to help, or uh, to attend to. It's also called the gift of helps. Now, do you know how difficult it was for me to find a contemporary example of somebody who has the gift of service in today's world? But God, as he ordinarily does, gave me a great example of what that gift looked like this past week. I was down at Denny's on the bottom of Grand. I'll go there sometimes early in the morning, have breakfast, get my thoughts together. They were shorthanded. There was one lady waiting on all the tables. And I watched her as she went to try to fill up this coffee mug to this coffee mug to taking orders and then running over to the cash register to try to take the money as people were paying, running around everywhere, shorthanded, and then people would say something rude to her because she didn't get there on time and she would crack a joke and then everybody would laugh and she would put everybody at ease. And finally, after watching this for about 30 minutes, I got up to pay my bill and she came up to take the money. And I said, man, you are amazing. I've been watching you for the last 30 minutes. Now, I had to be careful. I didn't want her to think I was stalking her. I've been watching you for the last 30 minutes. And I want to tell you, you're amazing how you've been able to do all this with a smile on your face. And you know what she said to me? She leaned forward and she says, I just forgot my cape. (laughs) Thank you, God. There's my example. People with the gift of giving and service, man, they get tired of sitting around listening to everybody talk about what should be done. They just jump in and get the job done. I love these people. You'll never hear them say, that's not my job. They are people with a gift of service. And that gift is manifested around here every weekend. When you see people pass out the communion, when you see people pass out the offering plates, when you see people out in the parking lot trying to direct traffic, whoo, that's a hard job around here on the weekends, let me tell you. And by the way, let me tell you something. Now listen carefully. If there's something that you see happening around here that you think could be done better, I got some news for you. That's the Holy Spirit of God convicting you to get involved. That's right. That's right. Instead of sniping from behind the bushes, this is your opportunity to come out and say, hey, I have a better idea how this can work, but not just to shoot the idea and run, but to get involved. When you have a holy discontent, a holy discontent, God is inspiring you to get involved, to use your gift and what you're discontented with to play an active role in rectifying the situation. That's how God works. I had a friend in New Zealand We had a church there, and we didn't own our own building. So every Sunday, we would have to set up five, 600 chairs in the North Harbor football stadium. Man, that's a hard job. Guys would show up 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the morning to get those chairs put up so that we could be ready to meet. One of my friends, Wayne Roser, who was in education, decided he would sign up to lead that team. Now, most guys who do this will do it for a year or maybe two at the most because then you get tired of having to get up every Sunday morning on your off day at 5.30. Wayne did it for 10 years. I asked Wayne near the end, why, why did you do this? What inspired you? And here's what his response was. He said, Jeff, you know what? I'm a teacher. I know I could do other things, but the reality is every time we have a weekend where lives are changed, where people get baptized, where people go public with their faith, and somebody crosses over into a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time, I like to know that I did all I could possibly do to help, to play my role to help those things happen. That's what a person with the gift of service, the gift of, the gift of 
just standing with others on the front line and getting the job done. Verse 7 continues. He says, if a person's gift is teaching, let that person teach. The Greek word is didasko. It's uh, the word for to instruct or instruction. Guys, stay with me here. I think I figured this out. Now, I know I've mentioned this a few times, but you can tell I struggle with it. Those guys who write the instructions of how to put a bicycle together on Christmas Eve, all right? I think I figured it out as I was doing this message. You see, the problem is they have the gift of administration. They know what needs to be done, but they don't have the gift of teaching where they can clarify it and explain it to the rest of us. That's the problem. And when they go to heaven, if they go to heaven, if they make it, they'll be on roller skates living in a log cabin. But the reality is this. The gift of teaching is the ability to clarify systemize and explain God's truth in a way that makes sense to others and promotes life change. Think about it. Billy Graham is not the most deep and profound speaker, but he has an ability, uncanny, given to him by God to take the deepest truths and simplify them so that everybody can understand and give their lives to Christ. You say, well, Jeff, I'm not a prophet. I don't have the gift of service and I'm not a teacher. I can't stand in front of 5,000 people and teach. Wait a minute. Remember, Every gift is given in different proportion. The question is, what portion did God give you? Because the reality is, you know the toughest phase of life in our generation is the high schoolers, right? Man, they're growing up in a difficult world. That's why I encourage you often, parents, take it easy on those guys, man. They're facing a lot. Be patient with them. They're in a world right now that's telling them no matter how good they are, they don't measure up. It's never good enough the way they look. The way they dress, it's never good enough. They're told by uh, the government that the economy's crashing, the world has no grand future. And then they go to school and they're bullied, they're not encouraged, they're discouraged, and just one day after the next, they feel they don't measure up. But the reality is, there are some of you in this room who had a horrible high school life. Man, you were bullied, you were scholastically challenged, you had a home life that did not encourage you. Do you understand? Pastor Dane talked to us last week about our shape. And he said that your life experiences, God allows them to occur in your life to further equip you for great ministry and playing your role in the universe. So if you were that kind of person, look, I'm not. I lived much a sheltered life. I've admitted that. I had the, almost a perfect home life. But a lot of you did not. And God has allowed you to experience that to shape you and to form you. The grand designer has been at work so that now you know how to make it through those difficult times and you can get involved in the lives of our high schoolers right here in this congregation and perhaps even save their lives. God wants you to have your Bible and your life and that's enough training for you to be a teacher to these high schoolers. But somewhere along the line, you will understand that God wants to take all your life experiences, inject them with the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit to change the life of these teenagers in this place. Now, by the way, the different measures of the same gift also applies to the gift of service or helps. When we lived in Savannah, my wife, and she's here in this service, I'm glad she saw me fly in the Superman <laughs> costume. <laughs> anyway, so just got off a little sidetrack there, but... Uh, I, I remember she walked in uh, to, the, uh, to our living room in Savannah and she said, uh, Jeff, and she gave me these horrible words to me. She said, I, I'd like you, I need some shelves out in the storage room. Now folks, telling me that she needs some shelves built in the storage room is like me walking up to you five minutes before the service starts and saying, 
you know what? I've lost my voice. What do you preach tonight? <laughs> because I don't know what I'm doing. Folks, I can't even change the oil in my car. You have to understand God gifted me in a certain area and there's a whole lot of other areas I just don't have expertise in. The thought of taking a hammer and driving a nail is a scary thought to me. And I've wounded myself many, many times. And so I go out in the storage shed and I'm just looking. Yes, I know a lot of women right now. Boy, I'm glad I'm not married to you, pal. You're right. You're right. You're glad. And so I went out there and I stood in this place. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just shaking my head. I don't even know where to start. My 12-year-old son Delaney comes out there. He says, what's wrong, dad? I said, son. Your mother asked me to build some shelves. Man, I don't even know what to do. His eyes lit up. He went away. About five minutes later, I'm still standing there just kind of in a daze. He comes back. He's got a pencil behind his ear, measuring tape, his tool belt on. He starts drawing lines, measuring. He says, Dad, try to stand over there and get out of the way if you would. And then, he, then every couple of minutes, he'd say, Dad, would you come back over and hold the measuring tape? Dad, would you hold the measuring tape still, please? And then he measures it out, draws the line. He looks up at me and he says, Dad, uh, you think you can take me to the hardware store and then maybe to the lumber yard? Sure, son, I will. And we get in the Jeep, we go to the hardware store. And of course, the guy in the hardware store walks up and who's he talk to? Me. Can I help you, sir? And I said, uh, uh, it's actually my son who, who's going to do the talking. And Delaney says, yeah, I need some two by fours and I need this and I need some shelving. And I need some bread. Whatever. I can't even say what he wanted. We put it in the car, went to the lumber yard, did the same thing. Got home. Delaney's out there. He's drilling holes, man. He's hammering screws or nails or whatever. He's putting the shelves up. Man, I was so proud of myself. <laughs> I'm telling you. It was a beautiful thing because Delaney is a, is a Mr. Fix-It with a capital F. That's what he is. But there's some of you in this room, you're a Mr. or Mrs. Fix-It with a small F. Give you some duct tape and you can repair the world. I've seen it in action. You can fix anything, cars and houses and boats. I've even seen fathers braid hair with duct tape because you're a Mr. Fix-It with a small F. Now think about this, capital F, small F, and then, of course, there are those who got an F in shop and woodworking, and we've never looked back after high school. But do you know what you can do with that gift? That is a gift from God. He didn't get that from me nor his mother. It's from God. And you can go with us in the fall to Zimbabwe, and you can get that caulking out, and you can patch up the cracks and the holes in the schools. You can help us build a church building with four concrete walls and a thatch roof. Man, you can go and bring light into the lives of so many of those children just by working and using your gift. You can help us find a warehouse and repair it. You can help us help us go into these homes of these single moms and repair these dilapidated dwelling places so they can concentrate on just surviving and having enough money and time with their kids. The things that you can do because of that gift will inspire and transform the lives of others. Follow me just for a moment again. Let's go back to the chessboard. They say that if you don't give your life to Christ by the age of 14, chances are incredibly slim that you ever will. You know that, right? We've got 14 years with them. Now, most of us will not discover our spiritual gift until we take the initial step of simple service, finding a need that exists and stepping in, even if we don't know if our spiritual gift matches it. That's what the pawn on the chessboard is all about. The pawn is not extremely gifted. The purpose for the pawn is to give its life for a grander purpose, to serve, to take something out if it possibly can, but to give itself up. That's what a lot of us need to understand. Before we find our spiritual gift, we jump in somewhere, somewhere in ministry, and by the process of elimination, sooner or later, you will actually discover what your true gifting is. 
You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.